0: Good morning, Greenville, and welcome to His Mighty Hand, brought to you by the Highland Terrace Baptist Church right here in Greenville,
1: Texas. On each broadcast, you'll hear moving interviews and a great message by the pastor
0: of Highland Terrace, Dr. Chet Haney. So turn up your radio and call a friend. You may find that today, you're the one who will be touched by... Welcome everyone, Pastor Chet Haney here with Highland Terrace Baptist Church, and this is the His Mighty Hand Radio broadcast and podcast. So glad to have you with us today, and so glad to have in studio today the one and only Miss Lisa Palazzetti. Lisa, welcome, and thank you so much for coming.
1: Thank you so much for having me. What an honor. I couldn't believe you asked me to do this, and this (laughs) is just so special.
0: God has been good to you. Yes, sir. In so many ways,
1: mm-hmm. hasn't he? Yes, he has.
0: And one of the great things God has done in your life was bringing Matt into your life. And uh, Matt, who has also become a uh, a friend, a dear friend, and I'm really enjoying getting to know Matt, looking forward to more and more fellowship in the future. Uh, he is an incredible guy, gifted, smart. He's an engineer. Um what uh would you describe as the uh the key to your relationship as a married couple uh, as you've raised your boys who are now grown yes 21 23 years old mm-hmm. um you and matt have uh have really established uh a world for them that uh is uh really a world of uh great privilege and and great uh strength You know, you've provided a structure, you know, for their lives to, to grow up in with good, solid, healthy boundaries around it. And, uh, the fact that they know they're special, uh, has kind of come out of your legacy with Brother Reed. Um, how do you and Matt, um, intermingle your personalities into, into one, you know, you know, how the Bible describes Marriage is an interesting thing because it's not just two people together, it's two people who become one.
1: Yes, well, I mean, we have no magic solution, but we do have God. Yeah. Right. and that was important to us from the very beginning because uh-huh. he grew up even he grew up catholic but he grew up very strong catholic okay and very involved in his church as so well so he was devout yes he, he was, was devout saved. and uh-huh. we knew when we got married right. that we were going to once we got married that mm-hmm. we were going to have to find a church to raise our children in mm-hmm. and that we as long as it was christian religion we were open yeah. And so, um, that has been probably the most important thing, of course, and I knew that from my background and for him, from his, we knew that we need our children to have what we had when we grew up right and um, he had had some issues too growing uh-huh. up, and you learn from that, yeah. and um we also went through some classes and we read um Men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. Yeah. And we read that together. And just those things and working through problems and praying about it and being in the right church. We've been very fortunate with all the churches that we have joined. Mm. And when we join, we always join a Sunday school class yeah. and become a part of that. And I just think it gets you through th- some of those struggles. Amen. But he is, I'm telling you, he's the better half. I'm just going to be honest about that.
0: Yeah, I think you're being a little bit humble. Uh, but let's don't sell Matt short either. He is an incredible guy.
1: Even though he yeah. is an Aggie, he is a great guy.
0: <laughs> to be an Aggie, he's a pretty good guy. <laughs> he is. Yeah. yeah, I told Lisa all my Aggie friends, I can't understand, they're all good guys. Um Well, Lisa, you have um, accomplished so much um, in your career, uh, in your life as a mom and a wife. Uh, raised those two fine boys who are now... You know, spreading their own wings, but recently you, um, you, you tackled a milestone, uh, professionally that was, uh, not easy to do. It, it took a lot of grit and determination. Can you just tell us a little bit about that, and what you do and, and tell us about what you recently accomplished? I'm going to.
1: Sure. Well, I always knew I was going to get my PhD. I didn't know what it was going to be in, but I knew I was going to do that. And um I waited until my oldest cash was he got his driver's license and then I decided I'm going to go back and get my masters.
0: You gonna go for it.
1: Yes. I thought masters was so easy and the only reason i say that people uh-huh. is because um <laughs> just calm down everybody yeah. is because i love to write and read so that's a big uh-huh. part of the masters yeah. and the small groups and talking mm-hmm. and presenting yeah. i eat that up yeah. and so i enjoyed every bit of that and i mm-hmm. do believe i became a better teacher yeah so because of you you go a little bit deeper into those best practices and the theory and such And then I took off one semester and decided I'm going to go straight into my doctoral program. Wow. And I listened to some of my professors. I'm telling you, they were probably laughing behind my back because I said, now how much harder is this going to be? Because I'm going to be a principal. And, Uh and they said, Oh, it's just like your masters. And you're so good with time management. It won't, you won't even be able to tell a difference. Well, I'm telling you that we need to pray for them because that was the, (laughs) that's one of the most difficult things I've ever done. Yeah. And that's another thing that Matt comes in. I mean, Probably an hour every night or two, I am gone into another room working on my dissertation or paper or presentation. And um, I went to UNT in Denton, and I highly recommend them. They are uh-huh. wonderful. And they started my, after a year and a half, they started at UNT, where you get to work on your dissertation throughout your classes. Nice. So that helped a lot, and uh-huh. I was able to graduate in four and a half years in Sweet. December. hmm uh-huh.
0: Well, congratulations, Thank Dr. You. Palazzetti. Thank you. That is so amazing. And um, you're in Commerce now. Yes, sir. Principal at the middle school.
1: No, nope. principal at elementary school, at third elementary. through fifth grade.
0: Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, you have the task of empowering others now, teachers, mm-hmm. to help become the best they can be. Mm-hmm. How does your leadership um, reflect on all these other things we've been talking about from Mel and from brother Reed, your husband.
1: I feel like a lot of the things I've been through have helped me understand people. I can read people and, um, I can adapt to any situation Mm situation. I also consider myself a collaborative leader Mm -hmm. and they also, everyone knows I'm a Christian. I don't, Mm -hmm. I make sure everyone is aware of that and it hasn't stopped me. And I'm very fortunate here in hunt County that, um, People talk. I mean, we get to celebrate Christmas. We get to do all that here. And some other districts I've been in, you can't. So just very fortunate. But I have surrounded myself with the best teachers in the world.
0: Yeah. Well, if you don't know how important that is, I just read uh, this week about a a New York Times Square billboard a couple years ago. And uh, you'll actually hear this in my sermon this Sunday that said, uh, it was at Christmas time, I had a picture of Santa Claus and a picture of Jesus dying on the cross. And it said, keep the Mary, dump the myth, talking about That's Jesus. Horrible. Yeah, it was. And, uh, that is the, uh, what I described as the big, uh, crocodile infested Amazon river that goes down through America right now is, uh, people in certain places are getting more and more hostile, uh, to the belief of, uh, Christians, that there is no hope for us apart from Jesus, that he is not only um, a great man, a great figure in history, he's the way, the truth, the life, and no man comes into the Father except by him. And so for you to take that with you to work and to have this core value that um, if you're going to be one of my teachers, here's how it's going to be. We're going to have a positive, affirming Christian environment, and that doesn't necessarily mean that we can uh, impose our beliefs on anyone because everybody has to make their own determination about salvation and a relationship with Christ. It's an individual decision that each person has to make for himself. But you've made that decision, Lisa, and I love the way that the Lord just shines through you. And, uh, I appreciate so much your, uh, conviction that, uh, in your work and in your family, um, you're going to be a follower of Christ and you're going to be an example of, uh, what a disciple should be. And I just wonder if you could, there may be someone listening today in our, in our listening audience right now, this very moment, who's heard all of this and, you know, maybe they went through some, uh, times as a teenager that were difficult and trying to figure out who you are and what direction you're going to go and getting up on that proverbial fence and maybe uh, leaning over it a little bit. Um, and then, uh, you know, we we find ourselves uh, when we find him. We rest when we enter into his rest. A restless heart can only find its rest. In Jesus, uh, Augustine said, um, what would you say to that person? Maybe listening right now, Lisa, maybe it's a mom. Uh, maybe it's somebody who's got uh, father, stepfather issues. Maybe it's somebody who's trying to figure out how to raise those kids, trying to figure out how to be married and be happy about it. Incidentally, uh, my wife and I married 38 years ago today.
1: Congratulations, that is wonderful.
0: May fifteenth of nineteen eighty two. You know what she told me this morning? What? She said she wasn't nervous. Aww. on that day. That's great. I was like, wow. Pretty cool.
1: That is really cool. She was certain.
0: She's probably nervous now. <laughs> <laughs> but what would you say to someone who's just trying to find themselves, trying to figure it all out, trying to hold it all together? Uh, just, just give us a word for that person out there might need a little encouragement today.
1: You need to know that you're not alone. Everyone has problems. No matter how perfect somebody may look and look like they have it all together, everyone has a past and you shouldn't be ashamed of that. Reach out to someone at church. Go to church because those people accept you. You're, you have an automatic family and they will help pray you through that and it really does make a difference.
0: Lisa Palazzetti. Thank you so much for coming in.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Lord Jesus, we pray today that you will take these words that we've shared and let them be a shot in the arm to somebody right now. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today to His mighty hand and we pray that you were touched today by His mighty hand. There was a a little boy one time attending a wedding, and the pastor happened to be standing near him, so he wanted to ask a couple of questions about why they did the wedding uh, the way they did it, and they were talking and asking back and forth. He said, Well, Pastor, by the way, why does that bride wear that big white dress? And he said, Well, son, this is the happiest day of her life, and uh, the white color of the white dress indicates not only her purity, but also her happiness and and her joy. And that satisfied him. He thought for a minute, he said, well, pastor, why is the groom dressed in black? (laughs) (laughs) And those are some things you have to think about from time to time. The symbols are important and they matter. And uh, I'll tell you what, the symbol of our new church going up is going to speak a powerful word to our community. And one of the things I love about it the most is it's going to have the cross of Christ lifted high uh, where people can see that they are loved by God. And I'll tell you what, in this world that we're living in today, that's a message that is desperately needed. Don't we just need to pray for our nation? Can we just stop and do that right now? Would you join me? And let's just pray for our nation together. Father, we are in such a troubled time as a people and uh, we look around, Lord, and we see lawlessness and rioting. And, uh, Lord, it's all confusing and complicated, complex. Father, And uh, it seems that, uh, as your word says, if the foundations are destroyed, what will the righteous do? And, Lord, we know that our nation is, uh, is subject to the judgment of God. We just want to humble ourselves before you right now, Father. Right on the heels of this coronavirus now, it looks as though we're having a a civil unrest. And God, how we just pray that you would bring revival to our nation. God, that you would humble us as a people. And that we would turn from our wicked ways, Lord. Somebody showed me a statistic this week of... The deaths from the coronavirus compared to the deaths by abortion in the same time period. And I think one was 100,000 and one was about 10 million. God, we're just so guilty as a people of so many unrighteous things. and We just need to turn as a people to you. We humble ourselves today, Father. We pray for the touch of your hand and the filling of your spirit. And that the joy of the Lord might just enter into this moment that people all over this nation might see what Gary Feldman said a moment ago. He said, I can see the hand of God in all this. And I pray, Father, that uh, you will cause people to awaken uh, in heart and spirit and turn to you, Father. And I, I pray that you will cause our church As we lift up that cross of Jesus to become a lighthouse for the gospel in our community, that we may provide answers and hope and a message of forgiveness and restoration that can cause many lives to be changed in the future. This is our prayer, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today, because of our building celebration Sunday, I wanted to take... A detour from the Gospel of John over to the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. I'd like to invite you to open your Bible to Nehemiah chapter 2. And let's pick up where Artaxerxes and Nehemiah were having an interesting conversation. Because Artaxerxes had one job for Nehemiah. He was to make sure that nobody poisoned him. That's what a cupbearer does. A cupbearer is supposed to sample the food and make sure it's safe. And then if it's safe, then the king can eat some food. And and I'll tell you this for sure. If Artaxerxes saw a funny look on Nehemiah's face, he wanted to know what that was all about. If he looked like he had a stomachache or if he looked like he wasn't feeling good, the king paid special attention. And on this day, Nehemiah's face was extremely burdened. And his spirit was extremely low because he had received a report that in his homeland, the city of Jerusalem was in shambles. And so when he explained this to the king, the king was not only sympathetic, but the king made it evident that God was in this moment. Because you know what he did? He outfitted Nehemiah with all the provisions that he needed He gave Nehemiah all the permission that he needed, and he sent him back to Jerusalem to rebuild. Now, folks, that's what we're about to do, isn't it? We're about to rebuild. And I want to explain uh, a couple of things to you about the story of Nehemiah that I just hope will be an encouragement to Highland Terrace this morning as we think about the task that God has called us to do, which is to rebuild our worship center. After the storm of June 19th of last year. Now there's several things I'd like for you to see. But the first is the powerful effect and the absolute necessity of the hand of God on our church at this very moment. As a matter of fact, if we don't have God's hand on us, we might as well forget it. Because unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who try to build it. And it's not by might, and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. Now, I want to call your attention to something Nehemiah said here in the book of Nehemiah. Let's look in uh, chapter 2. And uh, I want you to see what Nehemiah said as he uh, spoke to the people in verse 18 about rebuilding. The Bible says that Nehemiah said... I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me. Now, that tells us something about Nehemiah's attitude. He knew that this favor he had received from the king, it was no accident. It was not political. It was not personal. It was God. He knew that this opportunity that, that had come to him to be able to go from the king's presence back to his homeland to rebuild in the city of Jerusalem, that was no uh, you know, uh, stroke of good luck or of fortune. It was God. It was the hand of God that was upon him and you know our uh, our building committee he said several interesting things this week about how really we never would have thought about building a sanctuary where we're going to build it we always thought we were going to have to plop it down in the middle of a parking lot and take away a bunch of parking and now uh things have worked out in a way that we never would have imagined otherwise you know what folks that's not because we're smart that's because the the hand of god has blessed us Amen. And he's given us an opportunity to go into a building program without having to have a building campaign. I've never heard of that in 32 years of pastoring. That's not because we're smart. That's because of the blessing of God. And God uh, revealed that to Nehemiah and he wanted to reveal it to the people. He said, look, don't look to me as though I'm a great leader. Don't think of me as though I'm somebody. Just recognize this. The hand of God is on me. And therefore, we're going to be able to succeed in whatever God has given us to do, because His hand is strong enough. Now listen, generally, when we speak of the hand of God being upon someone, we're we're normally talking about a literal touch of a spiritually supernatural blessing of the favor of God, which affects and empowers a person in ways That would be impossible to explain away any other way. It's like something happens to you and you say, wow, you can't make this up. This is God. God is doing a work. The hand of God is upon me. And let me tell you why that's important, not only for a nation and not only for a church, but for individual believers, the members of the church, and that's you and me. It's important for us to recognize that there's someone else in control of my life besides me. Uh, it's the, the possession of a person. It's domination. As a matter of fact, it's a way to describe power. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, the elders called for the ark to be brought down from Shiloh because they said the Philistines are mighty and we don't want to be delivered into their hand. It was an expression of of political control or dominance or force. Deliver us, Lord, they pray, from the hand of our enemies. Sometimes the hand of God, by the way, can be a dreadful thing. And in the fear of God, we should recognize this. Sometimes the touch of the hand of God is a healing touch, and sometimes it's a blessing, and sometimes it's a painful touch. This is what Job recognized. He saw God in his suffering. Now, are we wise enough to say that as well? Can we see God in everything that's going on in our lives? Can we see God in the lawlessness of this moment in our nation? Can we see the hand of the judgment of God humbling us as a people? Job said in Job 13, 21, withdraw your hand far from me and let not the dread of you make me afraid. I want to tell you, folks, the hand of God is not something we ought to play around with and take for granted either. We better tremble when we're touched by the hand of God. Because it's a holy hand. And it's a powerful hand. And and it will affect you in different ways. As a matter of fact, the hand back in those days, um, when it came to a building project, was measured as the yod from the elbow to the fingertip. That's how they laid out. Measurements. Now we shouldn't think that's strange because we use feet. <laughs> I mean, which one is more, which one is more helpful? I think they may have had a better idea using their uh, their arm to measure things out. But here's my question to you: How do you measure your life when it comes to the hand of God? First Peter chapter five six. The Bible says this: Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time at the proper time in his time the hand of God implies humility and patience recognizing the authority and the power of the holy hand of God and trusting him to touch our church with his hand and to let his hand remain on us according to his plan, which will be revealed in his time. And in the meantime, ours is to be faithful under the hand of God. Uh, In Ezra, uh, chapter 8, verse 22, the Bible says, The hand of God, the good hand of God is upon all those who seek him. Well, praise God, folks. Let's let this be our building program. That God would help us to build the strength and the culture and the power and the spirit and the ministry of this church by the hand of God upon a humble and faithful people who determine themselves to seek him. That's our building program. And we're going to build a building. We're going to thank God for it. But we're going to recognize that the only way it can happen and the only way it can be used effectively. The way it should be is if the hand of God is upon us. In Ezekiel, uh, the prophet um, made a consistent connection with the hand of God and the revelation of God. It was when the hand of God was on the prophet Ezekiel that he was able to perceive and to see and to understand The revelations of the word and the power of God. Ezekiel said, the word of the Lord came expressly to me when the hand of the Lord was upon me. In Ezekiel 37.1, the Bible says, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in a valley. And it was full of what? Do you remember? A valley full of bones. That valley of dry bones Ezekiel never would have seen it, nor would he have ever comprehended how to understand it if it had not been for the hand of God upon him. So the hand of God humbles us and it empowers us and it encourages us to wait patiently on the purpose of the Lord but it also with that consistent connection helps us to see and understand and perceive the word of God let's go back to our song that we just heard from Karen as clay is in the potter's hand so are you in my hand O house of Israel thank you Karen Could have had a more perfect song today. Nehemiah said in verse 2, verse 18 of chapter 2, I told them of the hand of my God upon me. And so they said, let us rise up and build. Now, I want to say a word about rising up and the reason it's necessary. I'm going to point out a low place to you in the book of Nehemiah. It actually has a name. I'll show it to you in a little while and you have to rise up in order to build your life your discipleship your your identity as a disciple Um, we have to rise up in order to accomplish this what do we rise up out of i want to speak to you today as you humbly desire and seek the hand of God, and as you pay attention to what God reveals by his hand, I want to, um, to point out a low place that I'm going to identify both spiritually and physically from the scripture today as a negative, critical, fault-finding um, spirit which can become a tool of the enemy to distract God's people from rising up to that high place where God wants us to be. That place where we rise up to build. Now, this spirit is embodied by a person. And I'd like to introduce him to you. He's a fellow by the name of San Ballot, S-A-N-B-A-L-L-A-T. Now, Sam Ballot had the spiritual gift of discouragement. That was what he lived for: was to uh, try and to put fear, and discouragement, and criticism, and distraction. Into the heart of Nehemiah so that he would not be able to accomplish what God gave him to do. Now, here he is in verse 19 of chapter 2, right after the people said, Let us rise up and build, Sand Ballot got to work. Thank you for sharing these few moments with us today. And if you'd like to join us at Highland Terrace Baptist Church, You have several opportunities on Sunday. Highland Terrace is located on Joe Ramsey Boulevard, right near the hospital. You can't miss it. Then in person, you might be touched by...